Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everyone, to the Legends of Sport podcast. I'm Andy Bernstein, back with another episode and another interesting guest. Our guest today is John Weinbach. John is executive producer and executive vice president of Mandalay Sports Media. He and MSM have produced some very compelling documentaries, including Street Out of LA, directed by Ice Cube, The Other Dream Team, Kareem, Minority of One, We Are LAFC, and most notably and timely, The Last Dance. That's the 10-part documentary about the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls and the Michael Jordan era, which is running now on ESPN. John and I have known each other for a while. Our paths have crossed over the years, but never more than in The Last Dance, which includes so many behind-the-scenes moments with Michael and the Bulls, that I was fortunate to have documented on the still photo side for the NBA. I really enjoyed my conversation with John about the making of The Last Dance, as well as his history as a sports fan growing up during the golden age of sports in L.A. in the 80s, his background as a journalist for The Wall Street Journal, and his path to becoming one of the most respected producers in the business. Sit back and enjoy my chat with John Weinbach. And as always, I'll see you on the backside. Welcome, John Weinbach from Mandalay Sports Media to the Legends of Sport podcast. How you doing, Thank man? you for having me. Oh, come on. It, uh, it's great to have you. You know, we've known each other for a few years, right? You happen to work for two of my biggest mentors, Paul Schaefer and, and Peter Guber. And uh, it's a thrill to have you on. I mean, uh, all the conversations we've had and the projects we've worked on and we're trying to work on together. You know, it's been a lot of fun for me. So thanks, thanks for joining us today. I, I have to just, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but Andy Bernstein, and, well, Andrew D. Bernstein Here we has go. been a presence <laughs> in my life for 35 years, more. What? Because I have had your posters Oy. in my room since I'm, I don't know, seven years old. Wow. Wait a minute. You heard Kobe say that same story. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, Kobe, I'm two years older than Kobe. I right. was geeky enough at a young enough age yeah. to look at the credits to see who took these photos, and they were always at Laker games. Yeah, it's cra- <laughs> yeah. Once in a while, there was a Clipper game sprinkled in. If there was enough crowd in the background, they right. would make a poster out of it. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is I. There were two. I, there was the Dream Team poster, yeah. which yeah. was before the '92 Dream Team. And yeah. I think yeah. It was a key Magic Bird 
Barkley? Oh my God, yes. I, ha- I actually have that poster here in my office. You know, that and- one and I had a magic poster and yeah. I had, oh man, a couple, I, maybe James Worthy. I That's James so Worthy great, poster, yeah. yeah. When he signed with New Balance, remember? He signed the biggest deal in the history of, of any shoe endorsing got athlete a million dollars everyone thought it was the craziest thing ever (laughs) all of which is to say it's my it's more than my pleasure you you're a legend well thank you buddy john where did you grow up you grew up out here in la or yeah you did right i'm i'm born in new york but Mm -hmm. um we moved to la when i was not even two years old Um, yeah and so yeah no i grew up uh, in west la and, Uh and uh Beverly Hills and um, grew up, you know, a mm-hmm. diehard, you know, L.A. sports fanatic of, you know, yeah. geeky proportions. But, yeah. and, and had the really good fortune to grow up in what I think, and, you know, this is a good uh, sort of sports bar conversation. What's the greatest era to have grown <laughs> up a sports fan in? Yeah. You can make the argument about Boston in the last 15 years. I maintain no question, not even a doubt. L.A. in the 80s mm-hmm. was the greatest place to be a sports fan ever. Yeah. Five Lakers yeah, championships. Yeah. Uh, you mm-hmm. had uh, a Dodgers win the two World Series. The Raiders won a Super Bowl. The That's L.A. Right. Olympics. Yeah. The arrival of Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Um, the birth of the modern X Games culture with surfing and, and mm-hmm. skateboarding and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah. you know, a annual parade of the biggest names ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, what a great time to be in LA. I was very lucky that it just all came together for me and ended up coming out here to go to Art Center and then uh, literally fell into it, (laughs) Um, being an assistant for Sports Illustrated and then everything took off from there. So, but you're right. So, So what was your sport growing up? You know, all of them, I would say, and it probably continues to this day, my top three are basketball, Mm-hmm. baseball and soccer okay. and, and I say that both as a fan and as a participant I probably played the most soccer and basketball mm-hmm. um and you know I, I talk about this all the time with with soccer people and you and I have talked about your time as the <laughs> official photographer of the LA lasers yeah. I should have been wearing my lasers shirt. lasers I actually got one of those shirts recently at one of those sites on Facebook you know yeah I actually got a laser shirt and uh and I got an LA Express shirt because oh, I worked for both. both of those yeah I got them both <laughs> um you know uh I played uh, a lot of soccer growing up and I think in part because uh, my parents are both immigrants I mean they both grew up in the United States but mm-hmm. I'm the grandchild of immigrants on both sides and mm-hmm. my grandfather was a very good soccer player in right. Austria and then he was a refugee in China it's a whole longer story but wow uh, my parents had lived in England for a time and I think my dad caught the soccer bug so mm. I was always really in to soccer at a very early age, you know, when MISL was our only legitimate yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was a basketball absolute fanatic. I played a ton of basketball. I was yeah. a point guard. I wanted to be magic or you know, <laughs> I wore my socks high like Michael Cooper. And, right, um, right. And I played, I, um, and a massive, massive fanatic uh, baseball fan and Dodger right. diehard. I mean, yeah. my earliest memory is of sports fan memory is probably going to a Dodger game. Mm-hmm. 1982 i think it was actually 1983 yeah. uh, mike marshall the outfielder for the dodgers was hit was beamed 
Uh, by somebody on the Montreal Expos, and and there was a bench clearing brawl, yeah, and yeah. Greg Rock hit a home run to win the game. <laughs> I re- I remember that. I remember Mike Marshall actually once rocketed a line drive into my knee. This is a true story. During batting practice, and Tommy Lasorda is pitching batting practice, right? And you know they have the big cage by uh, home plate, and I was in the third base coach's box, so thinking that there's no chance that he's going to hit me. You know, you know, I was out of the way, trying to shoot Tommy, trying to shoot whoever's at bat, and boom, he hits one, and it it curves is like bend it like Beckham. The thing curves around around the freaking cage. It hits me in the, in the right knee. It just like blew up my knee. It was the worst <laughs> thing ever. So the the trainer Charlie Strasser, great friend of mine, comes running out, and he he stands right over me. He goes, "You know, I can't touch you, right?" <laughs> I said, why not? Because you're not an employee. I can't touch you. But the HIPAA rules, I don't know. So I had to go to the nurse on the eighth floor. This is, you know. At Dodger I, Stadium, which I is got, no yeah. easy trek. Yeah, and they, they I don't know, they, they put all kinds of ice over all over me. And I, I was the only one there for the game. So I had, you know, for the team. So I had to, actually had to shoot the game with big, gigantic ice pack on it. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's funny yeah. that, that, you know, I mentioned about L.A. being – LA in the eighties being a golden era for being a sports fan. It was also, and sort of, you know, germane to what we do, Mm -hmm. um, a golden era of sports media, you know? And and again, you know, I talk about this with my friends from Boston all the time because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were a sports fan of roughly my age growing up in Boston, you know, you had these incredible Boston globe sports writers, Bob Mm -hmm. Ryan for basketball and, you know, uh, Dan Shaughnessy and all, all these great guys. Uh, a guy we know in common, Gordon Eads, who was yeah, a of guy who went to the Globe. But yeah. And I don't know, again, maybe it's my own geekery or I think the influence of my dad used to read the newspaper every morning. Mm-hmm. And I <clears throat> just got into the habit of I was a sports fan and I wanted – he showed me, hey, this is – you should read Jim Murray. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at an early age, I was reading columns by Jim Murray in the sports page of the LA Times and I would devour the sports yeah. pages so yeah and and i don't know why maybe it's the reason i knew you know i looked for your byline the credit i was always <laughs> sort of interested in who wrote this so i used to read you know jim murray and scott osler and oh, mike sure. downey and uh, oh. alan malamud and these kind of to me heroes of of print mm-hmm. um and i you know all these guys again i would follow later you know gene wojciechowski great reporter i think he's with espn Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys I used mm-hmm. to read in the LA Times, and sort of the combination of reading that in the LA Times, and then we got cable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when I was yeah. like eight, eight prime, or nine years old. Prime ticket, suddenly, right? I had, <laughs> yeah. Well, prime ticket. I had ESPN. Even yeah. before we had prime ticket, it was ESPN, and then in the early days we had you know, WGN, WOR, and WTBS. So for a sports fan on the West Coast, I could see a Mets game, a Cubs game, and a Braves game right after when I came home from school. Yeah, how crazy is that? That's so amazing. So it was great. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because you're talking about these legendary Hall of Fame writers from Boston and LA especially. So when the Lakers and Celtics played each other, there was like the same thing going on in the press boxes with going on on the, sure. on the court, you know? And then the photographers too, because the Boston Globe had had Pulitzer Prize winning photographers. And then you had guys from the LA Times, Orange County Register, you know, they had won a Pulitzer for the 84 Olympic coverage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on top of the Sports Illustrated photographers. So it was it was a great time to be um, an up and coming sports photographer for sure at the time. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and, you know, one of the things we all, uh, like, you know, sort of, 
it's a bit of an inside sports media thing, but it really is true is that like, if you were coming of age in that era, there was, it was annually like just mm-hmm. another, there was more stuff coming down the pike, whether it was yeah. you went to the LA express. So there was a new sock, new, new football league. And there was, you know, yeah. uh, all the, all the stars coming through. And also remember in, in LA in the eighties, you know, it's still now, but we had two other professional football teams. They're yes. just called UCLA and USC. That's right. And, That's you know, right. so yeah. Yeah. we had Troy Aikman and Junior Seau and, you know, no. Rodney P and all sorts of players coming yeah. through yeah. and all the Olympians. Yeah, you're well. right. You're right. And, you know, at one point, the Raiders, the Rams, USC and UCLA all played at the Coliseum before UCLA moved to the Rose Bowl. So I would literally have a two games every weekend during football season at the Coliseum of one combination or the other, right. pro, college and pro, mixed in with, you know, a Laker game, then the Clippers came in 84, and then the Kings were, you know, so I would do five, sometimes six games in a weekend. <laughs> I couldn't do that now. But So listen, man, let's segue over to, uh, to a timely subject, which is this amazing documentary, 10-part series called The Last Dance, of which Mandalay Sports Media produced – right? A production company, you were a producer of it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's been fascinating for me to watch. Um, you know, in case anyone listening um, has not only uh, been sheltering in place, but under a rock, <laughs> the whole world is talking about The Last Dance. So tell me um, the decision making, because this was supposed, we all knew this was going to come out. You know, once the agreement was made, you guys got involved and ESPN got involved and the footage, you know, started to migrate over from NBA Entertainment. We all knew it was going to come out during the finals. That was what was announced. But of course, not going to be an NBA finals in June. So how did that all happen that it now is was fast track for now? Well, yeah, obviously it's a long story and, and it's yeah. a, you know, it's a big team of, you know, executive producers and producers of which I'm, you know, very grateful and proud to be one of, um, mm-hmm. You know, this footage also was obviously was shot in 98 and, you know, it's been fairly well documented that there was this agreement, you know, with, with mm-hmm. Adam Silver, who was the head of NBA entertainment at the time yeah. um, and Michael, that, that neither side would use the footage, you know, without the other's permission. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, a host of, of people had tried to, uh, you know, make this project happen over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, you know, it's funny, I had heard about this footage in, first time i think in 2001 uh when i was producing a show for espn called the life like a basically a, a documentary a series of documentary profiles of athletes mm. and it was sort of you know oh yeah there's this great footage that exists but it'll never get used um and sort of fast forward to 2015 16 christmas break and yeah. and uh mike tolan who's my boss and my partner at, at manly sports media mm-hmm. um sort of we had he had been in interacting with, with uh, David Falk over the years, who was Michael mm-hmm. Jordan's agent, and then yeah. got in touch with Esty Portnoy, who is, you know, as you know, sure. uh, Michael's uh, business partner and confidant and, and you know, the, gatekeeper. the gatekeeper of all the gatekeeper of all things. Michael. Yeah, right. um, and I think, you know, Mike's talked a, a lot about this and, and so has Esty and Curtis Polk, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's other, um, 
longtime advisor. Um, I think it was a combination of, you know, timing meets opportunity meets, you know, mm-hmm. our track record, Mike's track record mm-hmm. um, as a, as a production entity, as a, as a producer of, you know, high profile and, and critically acclaimed sports content. But I think also importantly that it was, you know, almost coming on 20 years and, and we talk about it all the time at the office mm-hmm. about, you know, we talk about things that happened in 2000 or yeah. late nineties as if they're not that long ago. Yeah. And every year we would have, you know, college interns who have never seen Michael Jordan, who have never seen anything actually happen in the late nineties, you know, anybody under sort of 30 really, yeah. or under, certainly under 25 mm-hmm. only knows Michael as a, as a brand and, and uh, on YouTube. Yeah. So, you know, it basically, we, we created a, uh, a lookbook um, for, you know, a, a vision of the series um, as mm-hmm. a, as a you know, long form multi-part documentary series. And again, you talk about timing meets opportunity, you know, the OJ project had just debuted right. uh, at, at uh, Sundance and obviously would go on to win the Academy Award um, and how to make a murder and, and the difference in, in the streaming uh, mm-hmm. atmosphere now with all the different outlets. And that a, these kinds of stories, there was a commercially viable way to produce them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was not the case that you could have a, a eight part docu series and there would be buyers for it. That just right. did not exist in the marketplace really. Yeah. So the market opportunity was there. And I do think, you know, reading between the lines that it had been time. And the fact that we were coming to Michael and his team at a time when the warriors were poised to break their, uh, mm-hmm record for wins in a season mm-hmm. and, the, and the fact that it had been almost two generations or certainly a generation that hadn't seen Michael play. Mm-hmm. That's how it came together. Right. And so I, mm-hmm. I remember uh, we were in Toronto in um, all-star break 2016, the coldest I have been. As yes. a human. Yeah, me and too. I was, I was with Mike <laughs> yeah. and we had, uh, he was going to go meet with, with SD and Curtis and, uh-huh. That went well, and then that was we created this, uh, you know, pretty detailed lookbook, um, pitch pitch book for for Michael that um, Mike was pitched to him in person um, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. June of 2016. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, once Michael, that was a great meeting <laughs> for Mike, yeah. and um, hmm. you know, once we got that that set into motion, um, the deal making that that ultimately you know produced this you know, sort of landmark deal with ESPN and Netflix. And so, then, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying, you know, yeah. we, we, you know, in terms of Jason Harrow's the director, uh-huh. um, he, it was a, you know, there was a process about you know choosing directors, and he was always, you know, at the top of the list. We, I had actually spoken with him whew, three years prior. We wanted him to direct a project we were doing with the NBA at the time uh, mm-hmm. on the sort of NBA summer off season, right? Right. Up airing on on CBS uh-huh. and. Um, he couldn't do it at the time. He was doing a 30 for 30 on uh, Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld. Called okay. Ernie Ernie. Yeah. And, um, but you know, he, it was a huge, I was a huge fan of his uh, 30 for 30 on the fab five and, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and obviously knew of his work. I had a lot of people in common professionally. And so he came on board. Um, I want to say officially in early 2018. Wow. Okay. So it, 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 listen, it's it's Michael Jordan. It's the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Um, these are these are big deals to make. So that that's sort of the the quick score story of the genesis of the project. 
That's, it's so interesting because Jason Hare said that uh, he was a senior in high school <laughs> the 97, 98 season. You so, know, he, I think, was a senior. He, he and I, I think, are the same year, senior in college. Oh, you're a senior uh, in college. Yes, okay, not gotcha. that yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it right. was, it was, um, hmm. but what's the idea always from the beginning was to use this incredible trove of footage shot right. by guys you know quite well at the NBA. And that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Use that as a through line to tell this story about this larger story about the Bulls and, and mm-hmm. right. What's up, everyone? I'm Kobe Bryant, and if you want to learn anything about what the Mamba mentality is, I suggest you listen to Legends of Sport. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Well, first, it's free. (laughs) Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And lastly, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Obviously, I was there. I piggybacked on the crew, um, my good friends who produced it, Dion and Andy Thompson and Michael and Peter Winnick basically shot most of it. And, uh, you know, I was there myself, Nat Butler, kind of, you know, in the shadows there, following these guys around, um, as well as, you know, going back to Michael's rookie year, which, of course, the documentary goes back, you know, even further than that. But um it's it's very interesting to me that that uh, the, all of the mechanics and the politics involved in having to get the Bulls to a, and Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause and, and Reinsdorf and everybody to sign off and allow it really became up to Michael when this thing was going to be released, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but why in 2016 do you think that he just finally relented? That, that it's like, okay, now it's time. Because there was so many up other opportunities. And I know my friends were super frustrated that this, you know, what, three, four miles of footage that were shot, you know, may, may, might not ever see the light of day. And it was amazing you know, stuff. It's been asked, I know, of Mike. It's been asked of Jason. I yeah. certainly don't have, you know, the insight into to Michael's thinking. Mm-hmm. I do think, like anything, it's like certain projects – get more attractive with the passage of time and certain yeah. projects become less. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, uh, at a certain point there was, there had to be a kind of fisher cut bait with mm-hmm. this yeah. uh, because it, it, uh, you know, it's going, the original idea also was, Hey, we'll release this in time for the 20th anniversary. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so that's can tell you, yeah. you know, Hey, we thought, Oh, we'll have two years from 2016 and we'll be able to get it out in, in 2018. Yeah. Um, and you know, things huh. don't, don't always work at the pace you know, you want right. for, for deal making right. purposes. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's that combination of who knows what the alchemy was. I mean, I think it's the right time. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, Mike and us were the right partners mm-hmm. and, um, and you yeah. know, th- this was, uh, 
a time to reintroduce Michael to a generation. And now we're talking about a generation. Even if yes. you talk about doing this in, in 2008, okay, that's 10 years, but most of the people are still there. Mm-hmm. And Michael was not that far removed from it. But yeah. you get yeah. to 20 years and now you're talking about, hey, oh, people don't really know. They don't know the 63-point game from the flu game from <laughs> – Right. You know, the 87 dunk contest, it's all just a haze of commercials. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that um, yeah. also I, I think probably, you know, given the candor and the honesty of the footage, there probably was a sense of, hey, when's the right time to release this so that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't just look mean or what have you. So, right. Um, right. again, I don't I certainly don't know what the reasoning. For yeah. Michael's, but I think, again, timing, opportunity and partnership and, and you know, the ability to to tell that his side of the story. Yeah. And well, some kind of comfort level with it. Yeah, it's so fascinating for me because I, I knew the young Michael, you know, the the, the rookie Michael. And I, I Sam Smith, the great Hall of Fame writer, was on this podcast uh, talking about how one of the things he loves about the documentary is that it, it Michael is so forthcoming and mm-hmm. that he he enjoys talking about himself and his teammates and remembering and a lot of it's very raw and that's just him but it reminded sam of the pre kind of iconic michael you know of the young michael who would just sit and kibitz with writers for hours and and he'd come in early and and he'd hold court in the locker room and was always accessible so <laughs> I mean, what a, I don't know how you guys did it, but what a trick or whatever. What, well, this is the, where you, what you, just have, you have to yeah. give an enormous amount of credit to to Jason and uh-huh. to you know some unsung heroes on the project, and they're not yeah. unsung in our estimation. But you know, mm-hmm. Jake Rogal and Matt Maxson and and Nina Kristich, who's you know yeah. uh, she's she was um, they're all great. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. the best production team I've had the pleasure of working with, and. Um, you know, I went to a couple of the interviews. Um, mm-hmm. The one in particular that was just outstanding was, you know, Steve Kerr. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who I am a massive fan of. Anyway, yeah. And I probably would have loved it no matter what, but, but Jason did a masterful job with it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my favorite part of the, I mentioned about the team. I mean, Jason is, you know, I come from a reporting background. I, I was a Wall Street Journal reporter and, and I still right. kind of look at my, world through the lens of a reporter and Mm -hmm. you know jason's reporting on this before every interview and jake and 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 the organization was just uh, fabulous i mean just so damn good Mm -hmm. and thorough Mm -hmm. and and so you know it's one thing to have michael jordan and you have the access that's great and the the footage Mm -hmm. but to get this incredible candor mm-hmm. and comfort is mm-hmm. a testament to to jason and mm-hmm. to the preparation and 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 being not, uh, unintimidated by the moment yeah. to to get to go there and to get stuff and my favorite you know there's i have lots of favorite yeah. moments but i yeah. my favorite maybe single thing about the film are these moments where jason gives the ipod the ipad to my yeah daughter. right you with us. and you right. see you see the all the defenses come down oh absolutely you really see how uh he responds to it i mean the the part where he reads the letter from his mother oh dude that so was fantastic that was unbelievable my wife who really doesn't know a lot about michael jordan she she started crying Literally, when, when the, because his mom was just so authentic and wonderful and beautiful, and and then, like you said, Michael, the way he reacted to it in the moment was just so genuine, and beautiful. And and by the way, 
can we all look like Dolores Jordan? Yeah, right. I mean, she looks incredible. <laughs> right, I it's know. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, unbelievable. The, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love those moments and the mix of archival. And yeah. it is no easy trick to do what what the guys did and what's presented in this uh, series of the time shifting. Oh, and that it's was... Great in, it's, great yeah. on, it's great to say it in a pitch book. Okay, we're going to use it as a through line and we're going to yeah. then... Yeah. you know, jump off into these other chapters, but it is very hard to do that right. in the editing room I'm and sure. story beating it out. And, yeah. and, um, so it's just, um, and, and this, mm-hmm. it's a process, you know, it's, it's a lot of edit time and it's a lot of thinking mm-hmm. what's going to work and how can we make the transitions and, you know, there's no narrator in this, which is yeah. another thing I love about it. So, right. Um, right. You know, that part of it, um, it's like, you know, I compared it to kind of like, it's basically like writing a book, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or, or writing like a series of page one articles for the New York times, and the wall street journal, and yeah. just, you know, an amazing amount of reporting and organization. Yeah. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, um, the first two episodes, of course, uh, were monumental successes, right? I mean, I think, what, over 6 million viewers watched it, or maybe there's more that I'm not aware of. And then I, I read a review in the New York Times by Wesley Morris, who said that, uh, the sh- quote, the show is among the most fascinating examinations of greatness I've seen. And then he went on to say that the series shows the child in MJ, in Michael Jordan. I mean... How complimentary to you guys to get him that comfortable to be able to just, I mean, I, were, were there any, um, I guess there weren't any topics, anything off limits, really? I mean, I mean, that's the thing that I think is the most impressive. And, and, and you know, Jason has said this and, and mm-hmm. is that Michael came to play. Yeah. You know what I mean, I, this was not a... Uh, yeah, it wasn't a fluff know, piece. No, right? and yeah. it couldn't be. And, yeah. and so... Um, by the way, Wesley Morris, my 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 former, uh, we we were on the same college newspaper together. No, no, I did not pay him. I did not pay him to write those. Words. That's awesome. That was a wonderful story he wrote, and very very accurate and very. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's yeah. great. I mean, I just think that, you know, there's a reason. I, I love that this notion of a snapshot of greatness because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I do think that that comes through, especially as you go through the the rest of the series. Yeah, I'm I'm biased. I, I love all the episodes. I, I think episodes. Yeah. Seven is incredible. Uh, episode <laughs> yeah. 10 is going to be great. I mean, they're all great. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, look, it, it's um, what's, what's nice is you have certain projects in your career that you get maybe some unjust praise for, and you get some that are 
too many that are maybe ignored or, right. or unfairly criticized. Mm-hmm. And this one was never going to be ignored because it's Michael Jordan. Yeah. I yeah. think, you know, it's being justly praised and it's very, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at least from, from where I sit and, and because I think it's an incredible accomplishment of, of just a lot of people's mm-hmm. really, really hard work. Yeah. And so um, the one, you know, uh, for us, the, t- the, the timing worked out the, the we became a bright side of of this pandemic is that people can actually watch it because yeah. you know let's yeah. face it it's a yeah. very crowded marketplace and yeah. even with an enormous promotional um build up on espn had there been no coronavirus we would have been airing during the nba finals it would have been great lead-in programming but mm-hmm. a lot of shows so yeah. who knows that we would have been able to you know capture the zeitgeist in the same way so yeah yeah um, that we've been able to get the reception has been been great, obviously. Yeah. Were you surprised by by the reaction from current NBA players and retired players like D. Wade and and LeBron and Chris Paul and all these guys are salivating before this thing came out? Like they're posting how they can't wait to see it. You know, and I don't think that's just coronavirus, you know, talking. I think that, that they wanted to learn and, and see this um this evolution of this icon that they all grew up you know, idolizing. Yeah. I mean, I, it's Michael Jordan. You yeah. Know? I, mean, that's, I know. That's I part know. of it. And also it's, you know, he has not done, I mean, you know, NBA stars have a different relationship, especially the guys who are Jordan brand endorsers mm-hmm. obviously have a different you know, relationship yeah. with Michael than you or me. Mm-hmm. And, and you're different than me because you're, you're, you know, part of the NBA family and have been for, you know, whatever, almost 40 years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but, I think that there's, he, he has not done a lot of media, mm-hmm. certainly nothing this in depth. And right. so there's that built up demand. And I think that, you know, I think Michael Wilbon said it in episode one, you know, there's mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali and there's Babe Ruth. I mean, you know, people, yeah. my friends of mine, you know, Hey, what would be comparable? I mean, look, the Beatles, yeah. uh, the Stones, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, probably now Donald Trump or Barack Obama is that level of fascination, but you yeah. know, Messi, Ronaldo, but even Messi and Ronaldo as great as they are, I think it's just a product of the Beckham is probably yeah, the Beckham. only other, yeah. you know, uh, certainly in the sports world mm. Um, mm-hmm. that has this kind of legend, but even yeah. Beckham doesn't have quite what Jordan has because Jordan was first. Yeah, Jordan was first, and he led the way, and he paved the way, and look, look what he accomplished, you know, <laughs> six titles and everything else that goes along with it. You know, it was, it was interesting for me to, uh, to see so many moments that I, that I experienced firsthand and, <laughs> and, and sort of relive it through the lens that you guys were, were showing it, you know. I mean, when I'm there and I'm in an NBA Finals game, I'm in my – thing you know i'm in my zone or whatever i got to do but now stepping back and and just kind of reliving that incredible era i mean not just the this 97 98 season which was amazing but just the rock show that the bulls were you know i remember being in the in the loading dock area at chicago stadium and this is when the whole arrivals of player arrival thing really started which has now become a huge thing and a protocol for us but you know, Rodman would blow in with the boa flying and, you know, an entourage of like 12 people, you know, and, and Michael would be usually one of the last people. And, and just the anticipation of that, 
you know, was so incredible. And, and maybe, I don't know if I took it for granted back then or whatever, because it was my job. Right. But, but there's, a, there's a shot in uh, when he comes to Paris in episode one or two, I forgot. But you actually see me in that the gigantic throng of photographers in the lobby of the hotel. Right. And I, is this I, when he's wearing the beret? Yes. Yeah. No, 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 he wasn't. This is when we, they got off the bus from oh. the airport. Right. And you see Phil and the suspenders getting off the bus and, and then they come through and I actually did a screenshot because, uh, you know, I had to prove to myself that I was actually there, there. but, <laughs> but it was literally a rock show on tour. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, the thing that, the thing that, you know, you documented the Lake, the Showtime Lakers of the yeah. Yeah. And as massive as they were, mm -hmm. that was a pre-internet. Yeah. Obviously, Jordan's also pre-social media, but yeah. you have a pre-internet. Yeah. In, in some cases, in the early years, pre-cable television. Yeah. Era. Right. right. And as big as they were, and they were massive in LA, mm -hmm. the NBA and its coverage, as you know. Yeah even through the 80s was still, until you got to the NBA Finals, was still a pretty small mm -hmm. business with a huge impact. Yeah. But, you know, in, mm -hmm. in those days, the beat, report, beat writers, they, 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 some teams still flew commercial even yeah. in the 80s. Oh, absolutely. You got a very different yeah. thing. And so yeah. Michael's rise as a champion, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. crosses both a kind of print analog world and then mm -hmm. a digital and global world. Yeah. We were not in the, in the, all consuming social media era now, but by the late nine, especially after the dream team and yeah. And after all that. And again, you know, they talk about the, the, the rise of cable, you mm -hmm. know, with ESPN and then you have CNN with the Gulf war. Yeah. Right? And that becomes, a, and then, right. so I, the nineties is the amplification of that. And mm -hmm. so he, he charts that and he leads that in a way that just by dint of timing, magic and bird could not. Yeah. I um, agree. And yeah. so as big as magic is, as we know, yeah. you know, he was not, you know, magic in mm -hmm. the nineties. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was yeah. A, a figure of the eighties. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have the, a, a different, a totally different and more connected media era. And so yeah. that's why I think, you know, the bulls, you know, have that, had that, they just had that thing in the cultural conversation. Yeah, I, I agree. I think everything blew up once the dream team, you know, hit the stage in 92. I mean, that, that propelled the NBA. I think Rick Welch said something like, you know, we, we grew 10 years in that summer, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Like, and you'll see there's, I, I, yeah. I, that's, that, that is, that is, there's an episode we have on, on, on all that. And uh -huh. um, yeah, you know, so, I mean, I, I just think that, the, it's a, it's like everything. It's timing. It's opportunity. It's personality. Yeah. I mean, Michael wasn't just the best player in the world. He was the coolest person in the yeah, world. Yeah, right. So, I mean, right. It was. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I remember having this conversation in in college, where you said, and "This is you know from nineteen I don't know ninety four to nineteen ninety eight. If you mm -hmm. asked who, if you went anywhere in the world, yeah, who are the three most recognizable faces? You probably would have said, I don't know, the Pope. Yeah. Bill Clinton and yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right. Hey, speaking of Bill Clinton, I got to ask you, how did you guys, and probably wasn't a tough sell because it's, it's Michael Jordan, the Bulls, and, and they have huge basketball fans and the Arkansas connection with Clinton, but how cool was it to get Bill Clinton and Barack Obama in this documentary series? Well, you know, every time I pick up the phone, <laughs> and I just call Bill and I say, can we get him on interview? Hey, Bill, it's John. I need you. <laughs> Jason and, and Jake Rogal have a great, have some great stories about this. I mean, I yeah. think, you know, look, when the 
email comes from our production, it was usually Jake, who's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hey, we're doing the film and, mm-hmm. and, and it has Michael's participation. I think that sort of was the, you know, yeah. that is the conversation. Yeah. Well, we all know what a great basketball fan uh, President Obama is. You know, the stories of he, he and Kobe playing, you know, one-on-one privately at the White House and all that stuff. Um, and I think when, when you have Bill Clinton on, at least I think it's in episode two, um, talking about Scottie Pippen, he took a lot of pride in the fact that he came from Arkansas and that, you know, he couldn't string three word, words together when he first met him and all that stuff. But it's always like he was talking about one of his kids, <laughs> you know. Well, I find the Pippen, you know, story, it's yeah. even more remarkable you know, you see, you forget things. I mean, just that yeah. he was from central Arkansas. I mean, this right. was not, this forget about a power five conference. I mean, this is completely <laughs> off the map and completely, you know, yeah. he, he made his name, as you recall, you know, they used to have the Portsmouth invitation. Yes, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of a yeah. scouting camp for, for Dan Marley was mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. This was sort of a place to identify smaller school yeah. uh, talents. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an incredible story. I mean, I, I did not know before this, you know, that he had two f- members of his family who were in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it says a lot. Again, yeah. this is the work that, that Jason and the team did about unspooling and, and unearthing these mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to, no, I'm going to put you on the spot though. So do you, do you think that, uh, that Jordan and Pippen, the best duo in the history of the NBA, you personally, Ooh, come on. hard. Yeah, it's so hard. I know it's a you tough know, one. Well, you know where I grew up. Yeah, I know. I can't, I, I'm not going to sell out magic and I hear you. Come on. But, but, but it's a great conversation that this series has, has just, you know, fueled and, and you know. It's okay, fantastic. let's go here. All right, so we got, I got magic and Kareem. I mean, yeah. look, this was one of the things, as a fan, I always yeah. felt that, mm-hmm. you know, as great as the Bulls were, undeniably great. Yeah. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. historic, iconic, whatever. All the mm-hmm. adjectives. Yeah. To me, they never had the, – the problem was they never had the rival that was like another titan the way the Lakers had the Celtics. Yeah. Yes, they had the Knicks and the Heat and the Pacers. Those were formidable teams in the right. East. Right. Not iconic right. teams. Right. And they played – Yes, and the Jazz were good, mm-hmm. but I don't think anybody would argue that the late '90s Jazz were as good as the '80s Celtics. Right? Yeah. No mm-hmm. one would ever make that argument. Yeah. So um, that was always my thing. It's like, yeah, well, they didn't have any great teams to play against. I mean, come on. Yes, Gary right. Payton and Sean Kemp, good teams, but not, 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 not iconic teams. Yeah. So, and I also went to the '91 Finals against the Lakers, yeah. and I, you know a losing argument but i still maintain that had the lakers had a healthy byron scott and a healthy uh uh james worthy rather than starting tony smith yeah true true yeah you might have had a better shot well yeah i mean i think michael i think that team and michael was destined by that point i mean you know seven years let me use a springsteen reference but to get to the promised land you know and it, you know, it all culminated in him holding that trophy with his dad next to him, right? The photo that I took. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. 
Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you are, and easily share what you're listening to with friends on Instagram. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app, search for Legends of Sport on Spotify, or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of Legends of Sport. Did anything surprise you in, in those miles and miles of footage that NBAE um, did? They, like anything say, whoa, holy crap. <laughs> or, oh, there's some great moments. I mean, yeah. there's, um, there's a great moment that you'll see. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil it. But, yeah. And uh, it's before the 98 All-Star game. Wait, hold on. When, when Magic goes in the locker room, right? Right. right? So I, there was a commercial that ESPN put out. Guess who's in the background taking that picture? ADE. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. my personal favorite piece of footage, well, there's so many, yeah. uh, but I love, I mean, this is just the geeky small stuff that, that when you're, you're producing stuff, um, you just, you appreciate maybe more than you should, but uh, yeah. we, we have a, um, a moment where we go from current day Bob Costas Mm -hmm. uh, to him, a piece of tape of him on WOR, sorry, <laughs> WGN in Chicago. It's great. yeah, yeah. There's a piece of footage that you'll see in later episodes. Yeah, uh, that I, I'm sure was documented by NBA E, but it's of Jerry Krause dancing on the team plane. Oh come on! After the, like, after the Bulls beat the Pistons, and I got to see that. And it's so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, Oh, there's That's some great awesome. stuff. I, I yeah. love the moment, even in episode one, yeah. from NBAE footage from Paris. Uh -huh. <laughs> the, the French uh, production assistant is trying to get his, his, an autograph, <laughs> and Michael gives him like the side eye. I thought I, it was great. Oh, that that I still have like an, an anxiety attack from that team photo I had to do in front of the Eiffel Tower because <laughs> it was a god awful day. It was looked like. It, all hell was going to break loose. It would be a thunderstorm or snow or something. And, you know, we had just, you know, basic location strobe lighting and this, man, there was so many people. You see it in the doc, how he's walking and he's surrounded by the public and media. And just to pull that off was just uh, unbelievable. And then of course we need to get Michael by himself at maybe 12 seconds. <laughs> and my boss at the time, Carmen Romanelli runs up and puts a beret on his head. <laughs> you know, everyone was oh, afraid. Really? Everyone was afraid to do that. But Carmen run up, ran up Jersey guy. And Michael's like, okay, cool. Take the picture, Andy. <laughs> Ed gave me like two frames and he was out of there. <laughs> the thing that's, you know, poignant again, a lot of things are, are great moments, but, but mm. um, you know, that we have, one of the final interviews with David Stern. We yeah. Yeah. Kobe. And right. you haven't seen Kobe yet, but he'll be in the series. Yeah, great. And, uh, you know, that, that, that is meaningful. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just very grateful to be a part of the, the, yeah. the team and, and the, you know, the Jason and Jake and, and Nina and, and I mean, Curtis and Esty and everyone from ESPN, obviously, you know, Mike Tolan at the middle of it. So Yeah, Mike Tolan, the godfather of 30 for 30, right? Yeah, and that's how I got to know Mike was yeah. was, um, was through the 30 for 30 series. I yeah. had produced and written one of the, I don't think mm -hmm. we were the, one of the first 15. It's uh, called Straight yeah. Out of L.A. Right, uh, that, that was amazing. With, uh, yeah. And the team's connection with, you know, sort of, it's forever a connection with NWA. 
and Ice Cube was a director who was unbelievable to work with. And you know, yeah. Connor Shell, mm-hmm. you know, the um, I think it's I don't know if he's the president of content or the EVP of content for ESPN. He yeah. and I worked together on the show ESPN The Life <laughs> twenty years yeah. ago. Wow. And so it's, you know, his rise has been unbelievable and fantastic mm. to see. And, yeah. and so, you know, this is the, the team that, that made the project happen. And so, yeah, uh, uh, all that is, is great. Well, I, I got two, two quick things left for you, John. So obviously the, the footage at NBA shot, not only in 97, 98, when they had basically full access, but, you know, going back through the championship years and even going back into, you know, when Michael first came to the Bulls was, is fantastic. But the, the other footage that you got is the archival footage of, of the young Michael Jordan in high school um, at UNC um, as a rookie in his apartment, like doing his laundry. Yeah. Irony, you got him. I got to know where the golfing with Danny Ainge footage came. Huh. So, by the way, also I should have said maybe my favorite anecdote. I mean, just again, yeah, this is the homework that Jason did, and and, and again uh, on getting it away, getting it into this project. Uh-huh. Uh, well, the short answer on the archival footage, yeah. um, there is a woman named Nina Kristich who is, I just think, the best at what she does. I mean, she's a great human and she's a great producer, but she mm-hmm. was also the archival for pr- producer on uh, the OJ project uh, uh-huh. for ESPN. And we hit it off immediately because uh, as you know, I've done several projects about international basketball, including mm-hmm. the, the other dream team about the Lithuanian 92 team. I think got sponsored by the grateful dead. And she's oh, from absolutely love that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, uh-huh. Tony Kukoc and Yugo Plastica split and, and yeah, you know, yeah. Raja and Drazen Petrovic. So we had a few. Yeah. But um, yeah. he really coordinated all of those archival finds. Wow. It's amazing. It's incredible. I- I mean that 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 one piece of footage with his dad. You know, I I'd never seen his. I knew his dad. His dad and my dad became friends actually during the Dream Team, but I never really saw an interview with his dad, and it was it was beautiful with Michael's dad. Michael's dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah Michael's that dad. That one and yeah. The, um, yeah, the footage of him doing his laundry is so great. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So yeah, Sam Smith talked about that too, because one of the first interviews he did with Michael as a rookie, he went to his uh, apartment and, and right. Michael's there, you know, making the bed and doing his laundry. And he said, yeah, I took home ec classes in, in college. Well, by the way, the best part, Classic. I don't know if you caught this, even when we were talking about soccer. Did yeah. you, you see the little clip of the Chicago Sting of the, the Chicago Sting who who outdrew the Bulls? I mean, isn't that unbelievable? Unbelievable, unbelievable. I used, you know, like the Lasers. I used to work for them. So, John, the last thing I got to ask you because this is, I, I got to know how you did this. So, you got Kenny Maine doing a commercial. For, <laughs> we can't take credit for that. that how did that happen? That's but, all. Uh, we have nothing to do with that. That's an ESPN promo. Well, I don't, but. It was Amazing. unbelievable. I love that. Great team at ESPN. Yeah, um, and, and it, but they, it looks like it was done. You know, I know, I know. They did a masterful job. I uh, wish we could take credit for that. It was yeah. great. He makes it. He, <laughs> it's lit, and you kids don't even know what that means yet. That's I know. Um, and you're going to have a thing where you can push into your phone or whatever. It was yeah. just that was fab. I'd be like, what? How did that happen? They did a, they did a great <laughs> job, and the promos have been great. And, yeah, you know, that, this is it's as you know. I mean, these things take takes an army of people and of so there's people as, as hard as everyone's been working and yeah. by the way what should not get ignored is to finish this project in a pandemic 
mm-hmm. what the mm-hmm. production team and Jason, it was, you know, Jason leading it and the editors who are, you know, fantastic. Yeah. 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 Really uns- I mean, they should, they, they're not unsung at all, but they are just, they've done a masterful job to finish this and, mm-hmm. you know, coordinating. We, we had to get, you know, massive drives that could, you know, be mobile. Yeah. Finish yeah. it all remotely, not at the post-production facility we were working at. So mm-hmm. that in and of itself is pretty incredible, but and that, that could be like a mini doc on its own. Like how do you finish a 10 part series <laughs> on Michael Jordan during a pandemic? Um, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like your yeah. next project, but, but John, I got to thank you first of all for your time today and being such a great friend, but, but just giving us so much insight about the series and I can't wait to see the rest of it. Um, you know, got the D I got two DVRs set by the way, just in case one doesn't work <laughs> right. and, uh, and really best of luck with, with the rest of the run, which I know is just going to be incredible. And thank you. I got to thank you and Mike and everyone at Mandalay sports and, and SD and Michael Jordan and everybody else at ESPN for bringing us incredible entertainment now that we can all watch and enjoy and relive and, and, you know, takes us out of this mindset of being cooped up. And it's, it's just a wonderful gift that you've given us. I hope you guys realize that. Thank you. You're the best. I appreciate it. Anytime. John, you're the man. Thanks buddy. Take care. As always, John is another guest I could have chatted with for hours. So much to share and kick around about things we have in common, like L.A. sports in the 80s, the Bulls dynasty, the making of The Last Dance, and so much more. John is one of those guys you want to spend hours with in a corner booth at your favorite bar with your beverage of choice, just talking about sports and life. Hopefully, we can all do that soon. Like I said in the podcast, I'd like to thank John, Mike Tolan, and everyone involved, including ESPN, who decided to move up the release of The Last Dance to right now when all of us are starving for sports. What a treat it is for me to relive that glorious period in the NBA and understand the inner workings of the great Michael Jordan and that incredible Bulls era. I'm looking forward to more episodes of The Last Dance, and I'm sure many of you are too. I'll probably rewatch them over and over as long as we're all in this shelter-in-place mode. Thanks again to everyone for listening today. As always, please follow our Instagram at Legends of Sport, Twitter at Legends underscore of Sport, and our blog, legendsofsport.blog. Also, my photography on Instagram at ADB Photo Inc. Stay well and stay safe, everyone. We'll be back at you next time with another episode and another exciting guest. Take care.